0: Hi, welcome to another episode of Django Chat. Like it used to be fortnightly, a podcast on the Django web framework. I'm Carlton Gibson, joined us here by Will Vincent. Hello, Will, how are you? Hi, Carlton. I'm good. That's good. And today we've got with us Marish Feliciak again, my Django fellow colleague. Hello, Marish.
1: Hi. Nice to be here.
0: Thank you for coming on. We, Obstensibly, we're going to talk about Django 4.2 and maybe 5.0 and I don't know other things like that Um, because 4.2 is in pre-release. Can you tell us all about that now?
1: Yeah, so we released 4.2, that's two weeks ago. Uh, 4.2 is one of a long-term support release. So uh, we've extended support until April 2026. So more than three, three more years. Uh, the final release should be issued in uh, early April this year. So now is the best time to, to, to check new features, uh, to start testing, to choose your personal favorites and see all good, all uh, juggle for pretty goodies that we have and that we prepare for our users. Now I like that you've stated that with
0: sort of under, nice understatement there. It's a good time. It's like... Absolutely, morally obligatory that you run your test suite against Django 4.2. Is you know, come on, guys, help
2: us. <laughs> What's a test suite? <laughs> yeah.
0: What's a test suite? If you have a test suite, if you have CI, right? So if you're if you're sitting there at your work and you're like, we've got a test suite and we run it on every commit and everything, then if you could run that as well against Django 4.2, then that would tell us, that would help us find find the bugs, right? Because there's guaranteed to be bugs, and what we don't really want is the day after the final release for you to open the first ticket on um, the Django track saying, oh, I found a bug in 4.2. It's like we had months for this. And as for now, we don't have
1: any open release blockers for uh, Django 4.2. We already fixed all of them that were reported at the beginning after releasing that for release. So we are waiting for a new one.
2: Okay. So Carlton, I, you and I, talk all the time. Marius, what are your thoughts on, what, what's a good, like, what do you see in the Django landscape as, like, good CI? Like, what are the options that you see? And is there anyone that, I mean, I know you spend all your time fellowing, but, like, what's your what's your take on CI and best practices? Because, you know, Carlton and I just talk to each other all the time.
1: If you take into account my uh, uh, open source work, then probably uh, GitHub Actions are now the best options to to. To start uh, with testing your apps or your third-party packages uh, or any code that you uh, are already working on. Uh, if you have more complicated CI, then we are, for example, using Jenkins uh, in Django. But there are there are plenty of options. Then the, I would say that the GitHub Actions are currently the the, the easiest to start.
2: Okay.
0: That's my my or sense. we you're what? using Git, GitLab's got it built in as well, right? So it's like it's not just so much that it's GitHub Actions; it's the one that's already in whatever you're using. Just use that, right? Just use something. I think
2: because um, Circle CI. I think a couple of weeks ago there was another. I mean, that's one of the kind of older. I think it's still around, but it's had some issues, and there was this security incident, and um, yeah. But my sense is GitHub, GitHub or GitLab lab actions is kind of the default most people use these days i just want to confirm for me it's got to be
0: difficult if you're
2: circle ci
0: right because they were great and they were one of the options and they were they were awesome and i uh, i mean so Marius is a hero he runs the um the um, django jenkins and keeps it stood up but i remember using jenkins and then circle ci came along it was like ah. Oh, this is a breath of fresh air, uh, and so I have a you know little sweet spot there for for the these my first taste of hosted CI. You know it was a lovely thing, but then GitHub come along with their you know basically quite quite generously, generally generously hosting. It's got to be difficult if you're them. I would imagine.
1: I don't have much experience with Circle CI, but I would say that the the power of Jenkins is as similar. Uh, and to the power of django. that there are a lot of third party packages and plugins that you can use for almost everything.
2: Right, yeah. 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 It's it's tough with the the consolidation just sort of makes sense in a way, but when you have yeah, GitHub, GitLab just being like, "Oh, your your whole product is a feature and we'll just make it you know, more or less free." Um that's that's tough. Anyway, sorry I interrupted. We were talking about 4.2 and Well, a test in 4.2, if you, I don't know if you, um, you know, one thing that's
0: always worth doing is um, running against the next version of something. So, you know, if I've got a production app and it's on, um, you know, Django or Python 3.10, it'd be nice to know that it's right, you know, when Python 3.11 comes out that it's compatible. So if you can use a, if you're not using a thing like a tool like Tox, which enables you to build, to test against multiple configurations, you know, to test the next Django using a tool like toxic might give you an excuse just to bring that into play. So you can run your existing one against I know if you're on three point two or four point one. And then you can also test four point two at, at the same time. Um, and that helps us and it, you know, maybe helps you bring your test suite forward. Yeah. Um, and it makes you be a hero work. Like
2: stuff. if you're a if you're a lower down developer and you're working on Django, you know, there's nothing stopping you from running running it against four two and you might find something. And that's good to know for Django. And it's good to know for your company too.
1: It, it, and it's not that we are doing this only for ourselves. We are doing exactly the same with uh, Python, for example. We are testing. We are testing with all uh, alpha pre releases uh, of new versions. So we are doing exactly the same, uh, trying to help in uh, Python developing.
0: Yeah, Maris is um, quite often fixing a little three point twelve bug that comes up. He's like, oh, I've, I've, I've fixed this one here. I was like, okay, fair enough. Well done.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, and and we're it's now 3.8, right, for Python 3.8 and up uh, for Django support, or it will be, I believe, with 4.2. Uh,
1: 4.2, yeah. 4.2 will support uh, Python 2.8, 9, 10, and 11. Uh, the next version, 5.0, will drop support for uh, 3.7 uh for 2.8 and 2.9
2: yeah yeah so it's 3.10 plus it's re- that's the one I, yeah i saw it i think you you two were talking about that on on mastodon and it's kind of exciting right i mean you know people update or die you know <laughs> no, it, it,
0: it's it's not just exciting it's like wonderful it's like you know marish and nick um nick pope who's another um Regular contributor, they just put in all these cleanup, these millions of cleanup commits to to drop support for this, drop support for that, and it's just like this is beautiful, you know, really like just lovely changes coming in. You think, ah, oh. and then you, all of a sudden you're like, oh, we've got to support three point two for another year, and you start to feel a bit grumpy about it. I remember, you know, it's like, oh no, three point two is the 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 chain around my neck that used to be two point two. It used to be one eleven, you know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it's especially tricky when we have long uh, time long term uh, support releases like Django three point two that still supports Python three point six that is not supported anymore. And yes, we need to su- we need to support it and backport all uh, security releases, for example, to it.
0: Um, so can I just get you, your thoughts on the um, so Jack, Python has gone to this yearly support yearly release cycle. So is a new version of Python every year. So it's 3.11 this year, 3.12, or 3.12 will be this year, and then, you know, 3.13 the year after. And what that means with the long-term support was we're still supporting 3.6. So we're currently supporting 3.6, 3.7, 3.8, 3.9, 3.10, 3.11. We'll be supporting 3.12 come October. Ah, like, uh, this is yeah, – so what's I'm your working. thought on that?
1: Right. It would it would be easier if uh, when we have when we have a new Python version per two years, <laughs> for example, <laughs> much easier. And especially with our policy when we are dropping support for uh, Python versions only uh, after uh, the LTS, uh, LTS releases. So we will not uh, drop support for any new Python versions uh, in 5.1, 5. 5.2. 5. 6.0 will be
0: the next version will we drop support for uh, any Python version. So Yeah, so when 5.0 is released, it looks like it doesn't support very many. It's only 3.10, 3.11. Or, well, probably 3.12 by the time it's actually released. So it'll support only three versions. But within its lifetime, all of a sudden, there'll be two more. And then the 5.2 release will end up supporting five versions of Python again, which is quite a lot five or six maybe <laughs> right yeah because we always get the, the we always get these um, reports I remember um, Django 1.11 there was uh, quite a, a, a long line of requests for please support I can't remember which particular version it was of, of Python but it was like no we don't add support But we don't add support we don't add support but eventually we're like okay we'll add support because it's only this one tiny little patch but it meant The Python uh, Django 1.11 was supporting, you know, these whole extra versions late in its life. You know, late in its life, it gained support for an extra Python version, which seemed, I don't know. Well, people wanted it, but there's there's this sort of tension. It seems between people who want to be on the long term support Django, but the latest Python. It's like, which is it, folks?
2: Well, you're, you know, Marius, if you could wave a wand, would you keep our current policy? Do you think the pain that you and others undergo to maintain this is worth it, or is it something that should be revisited?
1: I think that the current policy is fine. Yeah. I would be maybe more careful uh, about backporting uh, support for new Python versions to, to, to the old one. So we already decided that we not uh, backport support for new Python versions when the old one is in extended support, for example. And it is something that we did in the past for 1.11 when we decided to backport uh, support for new Python version. Uh, I don't remember exactly 3.5 or 3.6, something like that. There, we had a long discussion about this uh, on the Django developers mailing list that uh, folks would like to support 3.6 and 2.7 in the same time. Uh, it, was, it, it, was really, it was really tricky so now now we uh, decided uh uh already that uh django uh, uh django 4.2 will be the first uh version that support python 3.12 uh, and will not backport uh, support for it to the uh, earlier versions
2: okay so that's some progress at least from where you you oh. know keeping I your sanity I think it's probably the best policy
0: that's available given that we have these LTS supports, which are the LTS versions. And the LTS versions are one of Django's unique selling features. There aren't many other frameworks out there that give you that kind of five year. Is it five years? Three, three and a half years. Anyway, however long it is, they give you that, you know, that extra support there. Um, I made um, Tim Graham chase me around the playground about it for both 2.2 and 3.2 about dropping the older versions because we're dropping um, now 3.8 and 3.9 for, for for Django 5.9 and they've still got like a year or two left to go and there's lots of folks that you know open up a, a, a computer and they got some version of Python on it and perhaps they don't know what and it'd be nice if you know Pip install and just gives them the latest but I think there's just no way out of it because what we can't do is in a point release some some way through, you know, the, the LTS cycle say, oh, you know, do you know what? 3.8 worked till 4.2.6 but in 4.2.7 it suddenly stopped. There's just, that would just be, you know, as Tim Graham put it, that would be a pretty rough stick. I think that, you know, so in the end I've come around to that the current version is probably the best one that there is. It's, it, I don't see an, another way having Tried to square the circle, different directions. It just doesn't go.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, and Django can't be responsible for people knowing how to use Python. I mean, it would be, I mean, I mean, it's I like I just um, released uh, on my Learn Django site a uh, how to install Django post, which seems sort of like, well, just pip install Django. But of course, for most people, it's like, well, how do you install Python? What's the command line? How do you use it? How do you use uh, virtual environments? All these things, there's different ways to do it. Maybe you should do Python dash M pip install instead of just pip install. You know, so there's a degree, I think, of education for others of us so that folks don't go, ah, Django, you don't support Python. It's like, well, okay, you know, Python could help you out here and hopefully I and others can help people not just assume that Django is responsible for all the, you know, the universe of web development that people need to do. So anyways.
1: Yeah, mainly because folks want to stick with uh, Python that is available f- uh, for their OS uh, operating system distribution. And yeah. they, they just want to uh, install Python, and that's it. And it's not going so fast as uh, yeah. developing uh versions and uh, other packages.
0: Yeah, like if you just apt get install, and what do you get, what do you end up with? Yeah. Okay. So, four point two. What's your favorite feature, Marish?
1: I think that almost all, almost all of my f- uh, favorite features are related with DRM.
0: <laughs> right? Okay.
1: Fortunately or unfortunately, uh, I'm I, I'm not sure. So, uh, the the biggest one is support for uh, PsychoPG three.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm excited about this one.
1: Uh, it's it's called psychopg3 but it's totally different implementation of uh, python uh, of uh, postgres adapter uh, for python uh, it changed uh, uh, changed few things like for example it prefers server side parameter binding uh, it has uh, asynchronous asynchronous uh, connections and cursors built in uh, into it. We currently uh, uh, don't use them, but uh, we we need to have them available in long term to add the entire async path uh, to the PostgreSQL.
0: I've been looking at this. I haven't played with it yet, but I've been scheming. And I think I can just, with the connection object, I can just create an async client and then I should be able to use that i mean it, it won't have any of the nice wrappers around the orm facilities but i can use that in an async view for instance um one thing i've been
1: yeah you can create uh, async cursor or async connection and just use it
0: yeah so that's perfect i mean uh, i've been looking at that for a uh, kind of um s- uh, s- uh, streaming response type example to use publish notify and uh, or notify listen and with an async connection and see if I can get that working. Because I think that would be a lovely example.
1: It's it's also really nice in this integration that we don't have a new uh, engine because uh, current built-in uh, PostgreSQL backend supports both uh, PsychoPG version two and three. It depends uh, what do you have available in your uh, environment.
0: So you don't even have to change your setting file. You just pip install the new one and it picks
1: it up. Anyone, and that's it. And it works uh, like a charm. The 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 uh, second one uh, are comments. Are comments on columns and tables. It's a really nice feature. Uh, it's another it's uh, another example of of uh, thing uh, that should help uh, avoiding writing uh, D row uh, square statements because currently you can keep your uh, uh, database comments on columns and tables. Uh, in your models, with have got a new uh, attributes, DB comment forward field and DB table comment option uh, for uh, models meta. Then the migration framework will propagate comments uh, to your tables meta, mm, metadata and that's it. That's all that you need.
0: Okay, can I ask, why do I need DB comments?
1: In the past, uh, I, I struggled, I struggled a few times with um, creating a maintainable database schema. And if you have, if you have uh, folks that have direct access to your database, like database administrators, or maybe data scientists, or uh, other members of the team that are not Python developers, that have direct access to your database then you need to uh, move the entire description to some uh, to some uh, to to some field tool yeah to to describe what uh, how the current schema looks like and how it works now it can be now you can use uh, comments on columns and tables to describe it automatically for them
0: Okay, that's that's a great answer, because not everybody accesses your database via the ORM. So, can I ask you about the other thing? That's not just it's not in four point two, but it's been sneaking along, you know, slowly building up over the last few releases. Which is the growing support for constraints, um, creatable, usable via the ORM and creatable via the migration frameworks. Same sort of things going on there. What would you talk? How would you? What would you say about constraints, and the power they give?
1: Previously, constraints were like uh, the last resort that protects our schema from invalid data, and now uh, we are using them to, uh, uh, to 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 validate the data earlier on uh, on the user side uh, when they are uh, uh, when they are putting uh, data on forms, for example. You don't need to. Uh, do the same twice because now we are using uh, database constraints to generate information in advance that uh, that some data will uh, violate your database constraints. So you, need to, so you don't need to do this uh, in, in two places.
0: But i have got, so I've got like, I don't know, an age field and it's got, you've got to be over 18, you know, but previously that would have been a, je- a Python construct. A Python function to validate that at the form layer, and then, but then I could, if I happen to access my database directly, I could enter any value in there. Whereas exactly, the, and the,
1: and now we have we have a single point that uh, protects both uh, on user size and on your database side.
0: And there was something about migrating um, old constraints. Was it? Um, but like unique together constraints are they being migrated automatically, or do I need to take if I've got an old unique together meta value on my model, do I need to replace that with the new unique constraint? Uh,
1: so uh, all constraints defined uh, in Meta constraints are uh, propagated uh, are propagated automatically to to your database via the migration framework.
0: Okay. And were we getting rid of index? There was something, indexes on the fields, were they go, were They going? I remember seeing something go past here.
1: Yeah, they are also going automatically to your database. Uh, some databases are mixing indexes and constraints, so uh, sometimes you cannot create constraint by you, in the same time you can create index uh, on... on, on uh, in in, in in some cases like for example unique constraints partially unique constraints or so unique constraints with some uh, work conditions in some databases you cannot create unique constraints with work condition but you can create a unique index for example with work condition so Django Django will do this for you and decide which one uh, should be created uh, on the database side
2: Th- this is all. Re- Relevant to me in that I've had a number of uh, my readers who are beginners ask, like, what is the Django ORM? And I've been going deeper and deeper and deeper and trying to explain. And it's just like, there's so many things you didn't think about that you need to think about, except that Django handles it for you. And it's almost endlessly deep. This this is why, (laughs) because Marius Carlton and, and, you know, contributors are doing all this hard work. And so even if you don't know what, what we just said, it's more or less handled for you. I did want to ask, do you have another question? I was going to ask on a lighter note, You know, I know that the admin is getting um, the light dark mode, just in terms of things people will see when they open up and play around with Django. right? That's something, um, that's kind of cool, right? Like the admin has been getting more JavaScript over time, and um, I don't know. Is that okay to put that in there, Carlton, or do you still want yeah, to ask yeah. about?
0: No, 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 Karen. look no-
2: it also means that I'm going to have to update all my screenshots for the 4.2 book updates and tutorials, which is okay. But you know, whenever the admin changes, that's always the one where I'm like, okay, now I really have to re redo everything, <laughs> all my no, screenshots because really. the admin changes. Surely you only need one screenshot to show, and the admin
0: you can toggle to dark. Look, and then you. Can no, keep no, no, no. Because every
2: because because every picture on the admin will have the toggle somewhere and and it will bug me if I'm showing something that clearly doesn't have that toggle, right? Yeah. It's the little things. It's like polishing the inside of drawers, you know? So like when I see other people's books and tutorials and I understand why and they don't have exactly the right screenshots, I'm like, anyways. Not, Not that, that you it's about be- me, but you, you should know.
0: Uh, let's make it about you. You should become a um, UI testing um, expert. Like, you should do like this playwright thing that Microsoft chucked out, that's a bit like Selenium. You should sc-
2: totally script all your screenshotting for your whole. Well, you know what? I've sorry. J- so, just to, since you asked about me, I've, I've been getting <laughs> lots of great feedback about my books. And I find I've, so when I wrote my books initially, I was like, all these books are so deep in the weeds and all the details and i'm just going to kind of show you how to do stuff and then you can go read the docs and i just get I, now i find myself filling in all the rest of it because everyone's like wait but why Why does this do that why does this do this why does this do this and it's you know I'm i'm becoming sort of the thing i didn't want to be but i'm like i want to have like a whole like second half of the book that's like you don't need to know this but if you kind of want to know how this all works like here's why this, so this is why you
0: should have a web version so there can be a toggle for depth or a slider for depth and you can start with shallow oh and then you have a little slider and as you slide it along more paragraphs can appear of superfluous yeah i just nonsense. be like J- just, <laughs> just just just
2: blink twice when you want me to stop going deeper and deeper on the explanations um anyways and you know okay. invariably Gar. it just means it just means like finding a link to the docs somewhere but then you know internalizing the docs um anyway sorry Admin, <laughs> Marius. <No. laughs>
1: yeah, d- 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 despite the light and uh, dark uh, core team for admin, which is not uh, an accessibility improvement per se, yeah, we also made uh, a lot of small improvements uh, that that should really uh, that that should really improve uh, accessibility in in th- in admin like. Uh, s- small things like changing uh, CSS units uh, to RAM, like uh, improving contrast of different elements, and so on. So in in, in version we we have at least few uh, accessibility improvements uh, in the admin, and I think that that's really nice and that's really important.
0: And they kind of add up over time right like you know any one version okay it's more or less the same thing but if you compare it to a few versions back you're like oh wow you know i'm trying to think that the the app filter that you know the little live app filter that's down the side of the is that in 4.2 is that already in 4.1 i don't know but you can now filter the app list so if you've got 200 models registered you just type in the name of your model and you can find it more you know quickly it's a, it's a little thing but it's like ah actually that's quite a nice quality of life improvement
1: and most of these most of these improvements are transparent for uh, other users if you're not uh, uh, using a screen reader or if you don't have a custom font size for example in your browser then they are totally transparent for you
0: yeah okay so what 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 else have you got in your 4.2 list that you think is worth calling out? Um, Because pg 3 is the big one, right? That's the sort of, you
1: know. Custom lookups probably. Okay. That you can currently register on uh, field instances. So previously, um, you could only register lookup on field classes. So for example, for the entire integer field and all integer field uh, when you register a new lookup uh have a have this new lookup available now we can register it for uh, field instances yeah so we can register it for example for a single field in a single model
0: so i've got a good example of this i've got them um, for button i've got variables for your application um so you know for your app or for your particular environment and they can be templated um just you know because they might depend on another one so your 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 static files um, your static route, the, the path for your static route depends on your web route, right, because it's inside your web route. Um, and in order to look up the matching ones, I'm working on creating one of, exactly one of these lookups just on the text field for the, for the variable value, the, the lookup that does the match against the name, because it's a, it's a template, so you've got um, the double moustache and then the, the variable name, and it has to look inside the string value to find the, the value passed into the lookup and it wants to select just those variables that depend upon the passed in value and it's lovely to be able to do that just on the value field of the variable class not on every car field because most car fields they don't need a lookup on a uh, depends on lookup but what a lovely um API it gives me because it gives me filter depends, you know, um, text uh, value depends on. And then the class goes in and it reads, it expresses the domain object of my, uh, the domain logic of my model as it's, as I'm writing it. It's like, yes, this is, this is just a lovely addition. It's
1: <coughs> everything depends how uh, fluent you are with the uh, lookup API. If you if you know how it works, then you can uh, use these custom lookups uh, to create uh, massive shortcuts yeah. uh, to 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 create things that uh, will uh, reduce complexity of your filters uh, significantly. Uh, a simple example: you have a model with I know price and uh, uh, and taxes. Mm-hmm. So, so, you have a value and taxes. You can cre- you can create uh, now you can create lookup that uh, will be called total value for example, and automatically add tax to value and uh, search by this without creating an annotation without a calling function. Uh, everything depends how fluent you are with with the model lookup. Basically, it has only one uh, uh, really important thing, one really important method that is called uh, as SQL, and then you can do anything you want inside it.
0: I would say they're a bit clunky though to write. Like they
1: you... <sighs> you, you can you can use existing. Uh, Database functions, for example, for, for that. So inside ssql you can call, I don't know, CONCAT uh, database function, uh, pass to fields, uh, compile it, and return uh, SQL and parents and uh, parameters from it. So when you when you start to to, to play with this, uh, then uh, you can see that. It's really powerful.
0: Yes, but it is. I think. What would I say? Not clunk, clunky is not the right word. It's a bit scary when you first open it up and start having a look. This as uh, this R R H S L H S right hand side, left hand side stuff. What's going on there? Uh, how would you advise? I guess my question is, how would you advise learning that? Like, what's your sort of route in for that for people who aren't necessarily so familiar with the ORM? Read the docs, Carlton. Read the docs. Right. No, but this is the thing. I don't think the docs are that. Explanatory,
1: <laughs> and start from small from uh, small things, uh, and also uh, I I'm starting from checking how the uh, building lookups looks like. Yeah, in in many cases uh, they are uh, having only f- only few lines.
0: <laughs> so that that's the ultimate poker of. Uh, Will, 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 uh, Betts, uh, read the docs and Mara shows with read the source code.
2: <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> you know what though? I, in, in fairness to that and to bring it back to me, I have increasingly added in my books and I do have things where like, I'll do some show some thing and I'll be like, do you know how I knew how to do that? It's not that I just read the docs. I went to the source code and I'll like link to the source code. And it's actually one of the things that readers like most because they think that this Eight they just the source code is just this total black box, but then they go in and see like, oh, this little you know, here's this line here and yeah. you know, and just even navigating it, right? Like I usually advise like like it's something as simple as um like if you're updating if you're doing your authentication flow and you wanna update the templates for password reset and password confirm, like how do you find that? Well you just, you know, take a couple word snippet, type it into GitHub and um anyway, so. I'm trying yeah, to do my part it, to get people to not be so scared about it. Because especially stuff like that, it's like it's window dressing, but there's this like, whoa, it's like, I don't need to know how Django itself is structured to go in and tweak something. I can just kind of navigate it like any other code base I mean, and okay. see the results right away. I had the same
0: phenomenon with um, Django REST framework for many years. It's like people would at some point reach... They'd be like, can, you, can we subclass can, or can we add a hook so that we can subclass this generic view to do something very, very slightly different to the generic view that Django Framework ships? And the answer that comes from Tom Christie's policy on um, project maintainership, but which I think is absolutely right, is no. You can re-implement that method without the hook, and we won't we won't put the documentation understanding burden on every single user of the project ever. Just because one user in a thousand needs this weird customization, you can just re-implement the method, and people will be like, "But it's not documented, so, No, go and read the source code. And they like, oh, that's the bad documentation, you know." It's not bad documentation because it's fantastic source code. Literally, you go into the mixin, you know, REST framework mixins, and they're all all the methods are about. Six, seven, eight lines long, and they're clear as day, and it's it's nothing for you to copy that into your own project and and customize it and implement it, and it'll be easier for you to maintain and easier for everyone to maintain. But all it took was you to pluck up the courage to open that file and read it, and you think, oh, actually, it's not it's not magic. It's it's the most straightforward code there is, and there are other bits which are you know much more hairy than that. But in general. The code's not as scary as you first
1: think. Yeah, there, there are a lot of uh, a lot of things in Django, or um, uh, not only dragons.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I like I like that phrase though: documentation, understanding burden. Because I think that that's something deep that that's like blog post worthy, you know? Because it is these follow on effects, and um, yeah, it's I like, like that. It's like can we add an extra keyword arc? Well, it's like, well, we could,
0: but then every single user of this API for the remainder of the history of the project will need to understand that keyword arc and ask, is it relevant to them? And beyond the
2: core use cases, chances are it isn't. So don't add it.
0: What, you know,
2: um, Marius, can I ask about async since we always have to? There's, there's some stuff, not a lot in this release. It seems like there's a little bit around um, something, the models and testing, but this isn't like a a huge async release for Django, which we've kind of had the last couple. Um, like there's something around the save method, right? No, not the save yeah, method, we, um, we, yeah, we, async. We,
1: yeah. We basically added uh, a few hooks that were missing uh, in the previous release. Uh, uh, hooks related with uh, related managers, like... Uh, Rated version of uh, art set clear for uh, many-to-many fears or reverse version keys and so on. Uh, I, I think that basically that's it. It's not a huge async uh, async release, but of course some improvements are uh, included, like in every release. But the-
0: there is some um, streaming response um, re- async support for streaming HTTP response, which is quite you know it's not a major thing, but it's quite it's the, it's for me it's the last kind of um, feature bit. So for an, a streaming response um, takes a, an iterator and it, it streams it out over time. And traditionally the, up to now that's been um, doable with a sync sync iterator with WSGI and it would um, block. The the, th- the thread, but yeah, if you're streaming a massive CSV file, perfect. You know, it it would work. Um, with it, that wouldn't work though under async. Um, it would c- it would consume the whole iterator and then give you the whole response all at once at the end, which isn't ri- what you wanted at all. If you now pass h uh, streaming HTTP response an async iterator under ASGII, it's important under asCII then it will. Um, correctly stream which gives us the ability for things like long polling or um, server center events which is kind of like the outer limit is, as I kind of see it of of the features that Django needs to provide for async that nice um, service and event type pattern if we can find that in Django itself brilliant and then things like web sockets and whatnot can be in channels or, or another third party package um, and so that's that's a nice addition and then from async now on will be about filling in the gaps, making it more usable, get because it's still there's still some gnarly edge cases and bits which aren't you know as as smooth as they could be and if we can flesh those out and fill those out and fix the bugs and improve the performances and all these other things over the next few versions, then all of a sudden, having it been quite a long road, Django's async story is
2: starting to look quite mature and that's that's a nice place to be I think. So Marius, a couple of questions for you. How do you? I know, I know you work full time on Django, but do you have time or mental space to do to look at other things out there? Like, like we just had Mark Smith on from MongoDB, and he and Carlton had a love love fest around Rust. Are there other technologies? Like, it's okay, you can mention them that you look at and think, oh, that's just interesting, or something Django should do, or or just just are interesting from a technical standpoint, right? Because you spend all your day dealing with the gnarly stuff within Python and Django. I I could imagine some of the love for programming seeps out if you don't find other areas to have kind of a a blank slate.
1: Yeah, So a lot of things uh, are currently happening in uh, my personal life. So uh, I'm totally overwhelmed with uh, Python and Django. I I would say that maybe in three or six months, I would have more time to, to, to look at something, uh, more than that.
2: I don't have anything to say on anything other than Python or Django, so. <laughs> well, let me ask you uh, some, something, uh, something else, which is uh, 5.0. So I know there's nothing set in stone, but as ever, things that almost made 4.2 get shifted. For, for the two of you, are there some features or new things for 5.0 that um, might happen or it would be cool if they happened?
1: So I have few things uh, on my list. Uh, The main one is to add support for uh, database defaults that is waiting for at least few releases. It's maybe even the oldest open ticket that we currently have uh, on, on our list. It's 400 something, yeah. So it's 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 really hard, and we have and we have a new pull request, uh, and we we have a new uh, pull request that looks quite mature, and so I I hope that uh, uh, will be able to include it in in Django 4.0, 5.0, 5.0. Sorry, did I see Tim
0: Schilling put had this idea for changing update or create to give um, a separate, a separate dictionary for defaults on the create case because I think the idea is that defaults would be would apply in both cases. But it might be that when it's created, you want to add an added now, whereas when it's updated, you want to do a updated now type type thing. That looked positively received on the forum. I don't know if you saw that. Did did that get picked up? Do you think that might go?
1: Yeah, I, I think that we'll merge it in in the next. Okay, right, so that'll be the first Uh (laughs) first feature in. It's already there, brilliant.
0: Yeah, give me
2: a hard one, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: The one I I want to, uh, I've got on my post-fellowing list to um, move forward with a um, PR on um, adjusting the uh, request object to handle uh, non-post data, non-form data. So the the first phase of that will be to um, handle JSON data so if you post json data you can be able to access that as request.data and it'll come out past as you know a dictionary rather than having to and that's not a big step but that's been on the back burner bit you know i think the uh, the original issue for that was something like 13 years ago and it just sort of not happened and not happened and not happened and so the, the my goal is to get that first step in and then perhaps for the google summer of code maybe or you know over, over the 5.2 cycle have that um configurable request passes so you could you know have YAML or i don't know cuddles the new the new format everyone's using or message pack passes or whatever but you wouldn't django i don't think would provide those itself but it'd be nice to be able to have content type aware request body passing in in django itself because that's something that rest framework added um separately pre- before
2: can we uh, talk publicly, so you have a you have an end date, right, Carlton? Just in terms of the transition, and like like I'm not on the board anymore, so I'm not privy yeah, not to all my, the so my, you know. What's my happening.
0: plan is to step down at um, on the, the the end of March, at the end of um, um, the first quarter. Um, so hopefully, the the call for new fellows will go out this quarter. Um, but I know Marish would be fine if you know he has to hold the fort by himself for a little while. Um, I always joke that he feels that he's like that anyway Um, but yeah my my plan is to step back the end of this first quarter I have said that you know if if there's a need for mentoring or whatever I could be around but you know again Marish is perfectly capable of that but what I don't want to what when I said that what I don't want to do is just walk away and leave a vacuum if there's a need for a, a transitional period I'm happy to do that but basically I think it would be good for me to step down I've been doing it a long time and now my head's sort of turning away it's like oh actually I need to I need to draw a line rather than drag it out, um, because what I, I will need to do the first month is I'll just need to turn off the notifications for Django Django. Not that I'm disappearing, not that I'm stepping away, but I can't. Fo- I won't be able to follow the notifications in the way I have been as fellow, because that's that's sort of soul consuming, um, and that's fine. But I need, I'm going to take you know a month and say no, I'm not going to look at you know if someone app mentions me, that's a different thing, but. Um, I'm not going to watch every so just, notification just, yeah, that yeah, just happens. Just at Carlton on every every feature. Yeah, thing, but, yeah no, but that's fine. I want to stay, you know, I'm not leaving Django by any stretch of the imagination. Django is, uh, you know, is he, just a massive part of my life,
2: massive part of my career. I'm still going to hang around. I'm still going to be contributing. I'm just not going to be a fellow. And we, we talked about this when we interviewed Tim Graham way back in the early days of this podcast. I mean, because it's not the first transition, won't be the last, right? So- this is a question. I should know this, maybe, but so the fel- there's a fellowship committee. It's on the website. Do they do they ask? You, are they going to ask you, Marius, your thoughts if they have finalists, or do they just decide like if they get a list of people and it comes down to a couple? I hope. I mean, I, I, I would, I'm not
1: sure. I don't know how. I'm, it's, I'm sure it's, your input like first, will be in there.
2: I guess you haven't done it before, but well, well, Carlton, you I know. You were extremely excited when Marius came on board. I don't know if you were oh, no. formally Marius involved was, with that. but
0: No, 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 I wasn't. I didn't know about it until I saw the announcement. And Mar- But Marius was, like, literally the perfect candidate. Um, Tim was stepping back. And I could handle most of the framework, like, no problem. But those ROM tickets, I'm not, you know, I'm still not, even five years later, uh, you know, the expert in that area. I mean, you know, I could... I can find my way around there now much more happily than I could before, but I'm still not like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this for every database and blah, blah, blah. Whereas Marish is like, bam, ORM expert. And when it was announced that Marish was taking over, all my concerns about Tim stepping back just disappeared. It was like, yes, Marish was actually the perfect candidate at that time. So I'm still excited that it was him. No, no, no. I mean, well, no, so, I'm not. So, so Marius long, I'm you know, if, absolutely you'll,
2: you'll be the... You'll be the, I guess, the senior fellow. Either way, what He's always like what are the areas? <laughs> oh, okay. Like, what would Go you on, what would you, Marius, say to someone who's considering um, applying for it? You know, because if somebody's thinking about, it, they might be listening to the podcast. Like, what are you know what would be different than what Carlton's doing, for example, right? Because everyone comes in with different interests and different areas of expertise. Like, and what would you you know what would you be happy to have someone else handle that you are currently handling? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I would recommend to apply. So uh, we we need candidates, and uh, I hope that we'll have uh, more than few to to uh, to pick up uh, the 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 perfect point. I, I don't have anyone uh, specifically in my mind currently. I would be happy to to uh, have a candidate with areas that I'm not extremely comfortable with like i know uh, js css and and so on Mm. but uh, at least uh, for the last few weeks i'm trying to move out of my comfort zone and uh, triage tickets that i'm that i was not really happy to, 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 to triage a few months ago and I tried to, to, to push them uh, to, to 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 the carton box. So car, 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 currently I'm trying to triage whatever I can and to review uh, whatever I, I can. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that soon we have uh, maybe few weeks with a single fellow. So Django uh, should survive without without any issues.
2: It would be fun. Th- that's a good point, though, that you're constant. I mean, Carlton has said this, but, you know, constantly learning in the fellow's role just because the scope is is so large. So even though you come in with a particular area of expertise, it's not like you're only doing ORM tickets for years and years, right? There's all these areas and somebody needs to handle it. And so there's opportunity to learn. Yeah, just just to sell the position a little bit (laughs) to someone you know i mean it sounds it's it's a phenomenal learning exercise there there
0: isn't a bit of django's code base now that that i don't think yeah i know my way around that like yeah there's still the gnarly bits of the rm that will always be difficult but i think they're even difficult for marriage if i'm honest um and there's no way i had that knowledge when i started you know i've But what did I do? I did what I tell new contributors to do now. I sat down with a ticket and I opened, you know, I looked at the ticket and I try, read the ticket. And it's still the same now. I try and understand it. And I, okay, I open the thing. Where is it in the code? Can I reproduce it? Can I put a breakpoint in there and see what's happening at a particular bit of code? Can I, you know, put a, a raise in a test case and see if I can get an exception somewhere? Okay. Explore. And... You know, when you first start off, yeah, wow, it's, I think it's intimidating. You know, oh, God, this bit, I, I've i never looked in, I don't know, I don't know my way around there. What am I going to do? Well, you're just going to dig in, get your hands dirty, right? It's fun.
1: Um, yeah, so new, new fellow, we learn new things each day, like we did in the past.
2: We're coming up on time a little bit. Are there other things you wanted to mention, Marius, or we should, we should ask you or discuss? I mean, four, the 4.2 four is the big one, which we've talked about, and people should run the tests. And
1: Yeah, 4.2 is the big one. Uh, the new Google Summer of Code is coming, so uh, mm. please apply one of the features that I mentioned previously, uh, custom lookups for field instances. It's a successful project uh, for the previous uh, Google Summer of Code uh, edition. So... Uh, Please apply we have a special uh, site with uh, some ideas about Google Summer of Code projects uh, if you don't find anything interesting for you on on this list you can uh, came with uh, with your own ideas
0: yeah i mean if you've got you know if you've got an idea for a, a project happy to happy to open it, uh, open to it um,
1: yeah there are big ones that we're reconsidering from uh, many years, like uh, begin to factor authorization, and so on. We, we have some ideas for, for these features, but we need, uh, for example, like, to spend time uh, and learn uh, new things to build it into Django. Fair enough. And um,
2: what else? DjangoCon Europe is coming up for those who can attend in May in Edinburgh. Um, I'll be going, <laughs> I know both of you are going, so yeah, we, we are, we'll be there. Are you going to submit a talk, Marish?
0: Yeah, come on.
2: <laughs> Wait, Carlton, you, you've, you've mentioned something on the back burner, right? Yeah, I've got For... a secret idea that I'm brewing. I can't spoil it. It's, uh,
0: it's top okay. secret.
2: <laughs> Sorry, Marius, were you going to say, can you publicly mention what you were thinking of potentially talking about?
1: Uh... I don't have a specific idea, but I'm thinking about submitting some some talk. Well,
2: Marius, thank you for thank you for taking the time. I know you and Carlton do all this work, and I hope you know beyond the release notes and everything else, this helps people get a sense of what's coming. Um, and you know, these releases don't come from nowhere, so Yeah, I mean,
0: I think the pre-release phase is quite exciting. It's quite a lot of work to get the alpha out the door, and then there's this is nice you know rolling. But test early and often, folks, test early enough.
2: Marius, are you on, I should know, are you on Mastodon now? Is there any, like, I guess if people can find you on the Django, you know, uh, developers group, but is there any other way people should?
1: Yeah, I'm currently on, uh, on the Mastodon. I'm not really tweeting anymore. So I, I don't have enough time to cover uh, <laughs> a few social accounts. Uh, and basically Mastodon is the only one that I'm currently uh, posting anything. Kind of
2: Well, same, same. Carlton, you're pretty active on there, which is nice.
1: Yeah, I just, I
0: need one place where I can just throw out random thoughts at will. Um, It's not not at you, Will, but just at will, that I can throw out um, random thoughts. I've just said at will again. How does that mean? Anyway, yes, I like Macedon. It's fine. It's just, for me, it's like Twitter, but without the Nazis so far. So that's quite good.
2: (laughs) That's good.
1: Yeah, that timeline is much shorter.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's... (laughs) only a few people right
2: yeah I, I i mean basically everyone i followed on twitter about django is on mastodon so it's same it's just more filtered and it's still good um we'll, we'll have links to everything we'll have links to to your mastodon uh marius and the release notes and everything else and we are uh django chat.com we are on mastodon too, and we'll see everyone next time bye-bye thank you brother.
1: thank you bye